0: So welcome to this week's episode of FinTech Focus. Um, I'm very very excited to have Kimberly Lewis um, here in the studio with me. Um, she is uh, one of the directors of engagement at Hermes. She's extremely passionate about board composition, human capital management, and diversity within the industry. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank it's you great very to be much here. for being here. Absolutely, um, my
1: pleasure.
0: So what I'd love for us to talk about to start with is probably a bit about your journey. Um, we first met on uh, International Women's Day uh, yes, and I yes. loved hearing you speak um, at the UBS event um, and that's why I wanted us to continue the conversation. But I suppose for our audience now, just to understand exactly who you are and what you do,
1: it'd be great to hear an intro. Sure, sure. Well, it's great to see you again. I really enjoyed our chat as well. Um, yeah, so my background is, uh, yeah, it's quite varied actually, uh, in a nutshell, um I'm American, uh, and I started my career in Washington, D.C. Uh, I was a lawyer; I practiced law, um, and um, then I got involved in politics, um, managing campaigns. There were some big presidential elections, some very big campaigns. Yes, yes, so yes I, was, me? Uh, I ended up. Uh, I, I, I worked on the Gore Lieberman campaign in 2000, which then turned into the to the recount. So I mm-hmm. switched from being a campaign worker to uh, a, a attorney on the recount committee. Um, that then kind of, I caught the political bug and then worked for a few years on Capitol Hill as counsel for senator. Um, after a stint as a lobbyist, uh, I then decided that I wanted, D.C. can be a bit like a fishbowl. It's a very small, it's only about two square miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone sort of starts to know each other after a while, and I kind of wanted a much more kind of global experience. So mm-hmm. I decided to... Um, to move to London and uh I came over here and did my MBA. Um so sort of retrained as a as a business person. Um and uh I like how you say then, business <laughs> those quotations there. Mm, I still use them yeah. referring to myself now. <laughs> yeah. And um and uh, uh then had a really wonderful opportunity kind of career shaping to work for Cherie Blair mm. um for a year and it was a, you know, sort of a contract assignment, uh, and but it was helping her set up her charity, the mm-hmm. Shri Blair Foundation for Women. Uh, and in so doing, I had the opportunity to just travel literally all over the world with her, and um, mostly in sub-Saharan Africa, but really learn about um, the barriers to sort of women's economic empowerment, whether mm-hmm. it be sort of access to capital, yep. to sort of just, you know, gender stereotypes, to discrimination, to, um, you know, social mores, to, you know, Family matters, health matters, um, and uh, that really kind of became my passion. Um, uh, so, following uh, my time with Cherie, I um, I, I went into pharma, um, just literally through some some recruiters mm. um, who who called me uh, uh, about a position that that I sort of had the skills, but not the sector background. And they said, "Well," um, and um, uh, so I ended up working for AstraZeneca, working on emerging markets policy. So again. A lot of time still in lesser developed countries, looking Mm. at sort of access to medicines, Um, and then I moved to another, moved to New York City, uh, and then became responsible for global corporate responsibility for another pharma company, Pfizer, and that again involved a lot of time in emerging markets and travel and looking at um, women's empowerment, but more from access to health Mm. issues and how to Mm. how to kind of deal with some of those challenges. Um, Took a couple of years off to have children, and. uh, and then, uh, then landed my current job at Hermes, which is really, I think, a great combination of like my p- passion, um, uh, but but from but in but in the financial services sector. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it's it's different in a way, but also really still allows me to work on kind of the my core issues and my core passions mm. and core areas of interest. Because
0: I remember you telling me it's an incredibly challenging role that you are in, but it's so
1: rewarding. Oh. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I, I to be honest, I would have never thought of myself at it at a bank or at, a, at an mm. investment firm. Um, I thought I would have thought it would be much more likely that I'd be working at a nonprofit, like mm. just given my my, um, my views on things, than, than working working at a you know a bank. Um, I think that's but, testament yeah. to how much financial services has changed. I tell you, and how many different types of positions yeah. are there. I mean, the role that I have—a stewardship—kind um, of didn't really exist, you know, fifteen years ago, mm. um, and now it's really a burgeoning area, which is good to see. But as even as I there, there's all, all sorts of roles um, and people doing all sorts of really interesting things, impact mm. investing and you know, engaging with credit and bondholders and what we're doing with responsible real estate. Um, The entire, all of the work that Hermes does is it is an ESG, Mm. uh, environmental, social, governmental oriented firm. So everything that it does, regardless of its class of investments, you know, ultimately does an analysis of the social good. And Mm. I just did not think that I would see that in an asset management firm. Yeah, and I think that's really important. Is that important. something you're seeing now? I know that definitely. others are doing it a bit more, but definitely.
0: And I think um, you know, I I meet with a lot of um, what I call sort of next gen, um, yeah. you know, so our our next generation of of people coming into the sector, whether that be pure financial services or technology within financial services, um, and I think what I'm I'm massively falling in love with is the fact that I can sit there and talk to people and say, it's banking isn't the the old perception that, that we used to have, yeah. where it's almost you know no no care for anybody, um, you, you know those are old sort of films of the traders, yeah and, yeah you know yeah, still yeah. phone trading, you know yeah. I mean, the world has completely it's changed. You know. eye. Um, technology is now king or queen. Um, communication is massively respected, and emotional intelligence Absolutely. is no one can get away without it. Which which is why I suppose the whole diversity debate is raging at the moment within the industry because um and we spoke a little bit before about this but for people diversity I think means so many different things yeah yeah Um, and and for me it's um it is actually about differences of opinion and having as many different opinions in a room and those opinions will come from different backgrounds ages experiences um, so, so social backgrounds as yeah. well, yeah. Um, let alone um, what what we typically see as diversity, as gender, race, yeah. or, or whatever. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that there are so many people wanting
1: to talk about this within your industry, it's um, it's really exciting time. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I I think that it's good to see that there is more of an interest in social responsible investing. That is definitely a positive thing. I think one thing I I, I always am a bit cautious about though is that it is kind of real and authentic. And I think that, you know, it is now kind of trendy to be sort of socially responsible or sustainable. I mean, we have a hundred different words for it, right? What I really liked about Hermes is that this is this is kind of the core values that it was founded upon like 15 plus years ago before ESG was sort of well, a amazing. buzzword. Um, because it started as a pension fund for BT and so very much embraced the values of like long-term shareholders and kind of people who wanted um, their investments to be spent on companies and projects that were doing good for for other people, for their neighbors, for their wow, families. Wow, I didn't so know that. Yeah, Amazing. so. So I think that, you know, whilst it's good, you know, we can also, you know, there's now lots of everything from sort of ESG products to ESG this to ESG that, to sustainable this, and, and, and it's good. But I think it's always really important, and this is what I say to companies that I engage with, that we be able to tell when it's like really authentic and part of the core values. And I think it's the behaviors um, that, that really show that. So behavior so so, an issue like diversity, which is a particularly tricky one, I absolutely agree with you, like right? how do you define it? Um, it is broad, everyone is diverse, right, just by virtue of the fact that we all have some different characteristics than one another. so when we talk about it, how do we put really how do we really put teeth to it? Mm. if any one individual person is diverse, then we look at a company, how do we know whether how do we assess it? So we do have to have some kind of objective criteria yeah. to in order to, 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 to do any sort of analysis. So if you take, for example, composition of board of directors, which is something yeah. that I look at quite a bit, we actually fundamentally believe that, uh, and the data shows that the best performing boards are those that, as you, exactly as you said, have diversity of opinions, which usually comes from a diversity of backgrounds, diversity of you know, personalities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time we also acknowledge that there are certain fundamental social, um, uh, societal, historical uh, uh, realities that do impact the access of certain, uh, or historical access of certain classes of people to certain to board positions, and that's namely by gender and ethnicity. So whilst we absolutely kind of appreciate the value of all diversity, and when we engage boards we we look at the nationality of the board members, the ethnicity, the gender, nationality, age, experience. You know, more, more so, now, more so. We're making sure there's enough tech experience on the boards because we find that that's being, um, you know, you tend to have boards that are um, people, um, you know, uh, 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 more experienced, um, and you kind of, kind of find there's an inverse correlation, reverse correlation between the. the kind of a number of years on the board and, 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 and sophistication with tech. So, um, we, uh, so we look at a lot of things, but we do when we, when we vote, because at the end of the day, you know, we vote for individual directors of boards. And we do have, it's different per country, but for example in the U.K., we will vote against the nominations chair of a board member. So we will vote against the board member responsible for nominating other members of the boards if there aren't at least 30 percent women on the board. Wow. Like you know we have 30 percent clubs and 30 percent coalitions all of these things and at the end of the day I think it's the investors responsibility to put some real teeth to that mm. um, we also are really looking at certain criteria we already kind of have some in the us around ethnicity as well um, that are firm kind of voting guidelines and then beyond that we have conversations about other forms of diversity mm. um, so uh, so so absolutely it is it is difficult to define Um but the challenge we have is people who actually vote yes or no and have that authority to do so. Mm. We, you know, we think it's our responsibility to use that um, and put some very clear lines in the sand mm. about kind of what we what we want and what we think boards should look like. You see, I, I love a lot of what all of what you're
0: saying. You know, you, measurability this week is like my favorite. Oh words. yeah, yeah. You know, because everything that I'm talking about when it comes to these sorts of themes, it's so easy to talk about it say, so, oh, I think it's moving in the right direction. Is it? Like, yeah. h- like, how 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 many was it last year? How many are we looking at this year? How many companies are we assessing? How many have moved forwards? How many have moved backwards? How many have just spoken about it and done nothing? Yeah. And, you know, the, these sort of statistics, I think it's just so
1: important for us to really understand. Are we progressing? Absolutely. And the key to that also, and you know, is, you know, we we know that this is like a kind of a dirty word, like sometimes we talk to companies, but is, is reporting. Mm. And, you know, companies say, you know, reporting is unduly burdensome, and and, and I get it. I used to be in-house with companies and had to do the reporting, and it was oh, yeah. sort of the bane of my existence. But at the same time, um, you know, whilst the onus is on investors to make sure that we don't require over-reporting, reporting for no reason, um, you know, we, we think, just as you said, like, what gets, almost like we say what gets reported gets done, right? If you got a report and and put a publication out with your numbers, with your stats on diversity or, or turnover or whatever, um, you will at least then, you know, have to do it and you will at least become aware of it, right? So with gender, we we'll talk about gender pay gap reporting, but once gender pay gap reporting came out, you know, it was controversial at first, mm. but some real home truths. Like, then you have the data, right? Yeah. Um, and so then it gets it gets actioned. And we say what, what gets... You know, what, what gets reported, what gets done, and what gets measured gets actioned. So not only is it important, important to, to, to report, but we also think to have targets and measure yourself against those targets. Mm. And, you know, the fi- with the financial services sector, you would probably know this more than anyone, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but, you know, but gender pay gap. I mean, the data now shows, I think, financial services sector overall, there's like 34% roughly. Gender pay gap. I mean, how are you seeing that as a recruiter? Yeah. Like you see these. Yeah, yeah. See, that,
0: this is the beauty of um, of my role. I think we we are in such a unique position that we have such vast visibility across the entire market. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, the uh, when it comes to the gender pay gap, I I read something so so interesting um, this week, um, and it was an article which I'll forward to you, and I will tag to this this video and this podcast as well, so other people can see it. And the article's done all this research about, like, when we're talking about the gender pay gap, how, how big is it in each sector and, and what, what, what actually are, are we talking about? Yeah. Because, you know, people say gender pay gap and we all, we all assume what? You know, we're talking about 20, 20 grand at the, between the ages of 35 and 40. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Anyway, um, the, the, the definitions were interesting because, actually, uh, looking at the stats, the, the young, younger people are actually more in line than people as they progress throughout their career. And, of course, you can imagine that a number of uh, situations that women will go through Mm -hmm. rather than men are attributed to this. However, I mean we've got to have a look at the the reality of it. Um, And I think from my point of view, um, I work very closely with, with clients, with candidates, I'm constantly talking to lots of people, and there are trends. And a lot of the time I have to caveat what I'm about to say because... I'm talking about a trend. Um, I'm not making a mass assumption. It's just some of the trends I'm seeing. But uh, in general, uh, women are less likely to ask for pay rises. Mm -hmm. In general, women are less likely to tell everyone on their team that they stayed here until 9 o'clock last night doing that additional bit of work. Um, In general, women are less likely to apply for a role unless they 100% fit the criteria. Yeah. On the on the reverse. And some of these are real basic things. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all starting to acknowledge that. Um, and there's always anomalies to, to, sure, to any sure, trend. Sure, sure, there's just trends, absolutely. And, and, I, and I, d- I definitely don't want to say that we are all like this. Um, but it's interesting because... Actually, over the years, I have felt that whenever I've coached people through interviews, which is something that I, I absolutely love doing, I love helping people do the best they can they can do in an interview, yeah. in all the stresses interviews give you, I've always found that there's a different level of service I need to give to certain females in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I almost have to, have to make them apply to a role because... Um, there will be a number of men far less qualified that would say, "Oh yeah,
1: put me forward. Let's sure. see if I get on." Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely, absolutely. No, I've I've heard that before, and I, and 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 that definitely is kind of one of the challenges. Something I think we as women need to do more exactly what you're doing, mentoring and coaching, um, of others. I think you know another, and 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 you raise a really important issue. I think as well is 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 the pipeline issue, right? The leaky pipeline, and that in a lot of sectors we've seen you know it kind of but even everyone kind of starts about the same especially out of grad school or out of out of college and then somehow you might see the numbers you know um you know it's sort of a junior level be a bit both on pay and just percentages be be more even but then when you look at who's progressing through to senior management then that's when the gap gets much bigger Mm -hmm. and then that's when women drop out whether it's you know whether it's um but you know by choice or by you know other factors, um, but I think that you know that's why we really now talk about um, to companies about human capital management, right? Like the best we, you know, as the data shows, we know that the best performing companies are the are companies that do have gender balance um, and gender ethnicity. Also, you know, do have mm-hmm. diversity. And so the companies do not perform to their optimal ability when they do not have women in senior management. Like and that now is the stakeholders are listening. That is a reality, <laughs> right? And so you know, our duty as you know, as as stewards of, 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 of our the the um, the assets that our that our clients manage is you know how do we get the best performance out of these companies um, that we are invested in. And it therefore logically follows that um, because uh, the best performing companies are ones that embrace diversity, that we, we we do have that platform, that obligation to engage these companies on uh, on these issues. And I think you know it's one thing; it's it's almost easier to engage on board diversity, right? That's what eight to fifteen people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's obviously much easier to measure um, and easier to kind of calculate. But it also has um, such a huge impact. But the real um, and a big bit impact. Mm-hmm. But then the, the, the but the real issue is throughout the organization, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, that's you know the board of directors is, is ten people, um, and you know what we see all too frequently are companies that have the right numbers twenty percent women or thirty percent women, regardless. You know, yeah. depending on which kind of what the you know what the what the um, the general views in that country are about diversity you 'll see them doing well on the board, but these very same companies that might have thirty forty percent board diversity have really, really low levels of diversity throughout the organization uh, uh. so that 's one thing we have to have to be aware of, and that 's why we now engage throughout the employee base because you know, for example, France there's men you know lots of board gender diversity, forty percent mandatory quota, mm. but it 's one country that actually you see lower levels of gender diversity throughout the organization, so it 's not necessarily one would think it's sort of a trickle down and that the companies are most diverse at the board would have, but we haven 't found that to be a case, so mm. we really do have to engage um, and and that 's why we ask companies to disclose more like going further down its employee base. Mm. About numbers, about turnover numbers, retention numbers. I was—that was exactly what I was about to, to ask you. Like, do you look yeah. at the retention side of things? Absolutely, absolutely. So we like—we're starting to get a lot more involved uh, in this area. We are asking companies. We're members of a coalition called the Human Capital Management Coalition. Me, Hermes Eos. and um, we ask them to—we ask companies to disclose the criteria that it deems most. Material to them, usually turnover and uh retention are are core right every company should should know and should um, some engagement particularly those that have just gone through maybe a merger or, or 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 reduction in force should probably look at you know employee satisfaction rates and engagement criteria and things like that but but you, sh- you know, re- the reasons for retention um, are uh, and diversity statistics and turnover are something every company should should know and should really have understood the reasons why. Mm. And it's something we think should be looked at for, at the board level because, the, you know, I human totally capital agree. is a company's biggest asset. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, we do think the onus is on us um, to to really engage companies yeah. about about its its. Uh, its diversity throughout the, yeah. throughout the.
0: Because uh, okay. I, I think those two are inextricably linked. So, I think that a, a lot of companies are, are trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but they they miss a, a key part, which is that retention piece, and yeah. actually. Are they hiring right in the first place? Yeah. So um, I, being in the role that I'm in, I, I, I often uh, map people throughout their careers. I've been uh-huh. doing this 15 years. So wow. you can imagine the people that I placed of two years' worth experience 15 years oh, ago, yeah. they're, now, they're now CIOs. You know, yeah. I, I wrote an article recently called um, From Basement to Boardroom, uh-huh. and that's the journey of techies. So it's nice to yeah. hear you say that You know, you're, you look at diversity of boards and even in that you want some technology stuff oh absolutely you know I've seen I've seen that happen and I've loved watching that happen but um but but for me one of the the key things if we want to have a more balanced um composition within businesses we have to make sure we hire correctly and and what I mean when I say hire correctly Mm -hmm. is we hire people that um are not able to do the job you're hiring for you hire people who are ready to step into, yeah. step uh-huh. up, and you're going to actually put your hands down and pick them up, and you're going to you're going to bear hug them, and you are going to nurture them, and you are going to invest in them. Yeah. And I think that's how you breed loyalty. That's how you breed absolutely. retention. Absolutely, absolutely. If you are not looking for every box to be ticked in whatever whatever skill set that you're looking for, but instead you're looking for the right value fit person or yeah. cultural fit person. Or opinion fit person potential person suddenly you've got a whole wealth of a a much bigger pool of talent absolutely Um, i could not agree more but that is easier um i say this a lot Mm -hmm. and um and a lot of people say oh i love that and then when it comes to the hiring oh back back to the box to to exercise you know so it's um Yes, you know, I think there's think... things we have to work on together absolutely, yeah, you No, know, but I definitely see that as the as the route forward so um i I wanted to ask you you know what what do you think um what do you think the future looks like for for the diversity and inclusion debate
1: within the financial services industry oh, within the financial services industry well, let's say I'm optimistic, i think um you know, I think we have a ways to go in some respect, but I think we're making a lot of progress in others. So, for yep. example, I think we are well on our way to pay equity
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or to better pay equity, and and that's simply because the companies have got to report it now. And I think that, um, and I, you know, I don't even necessarily, you know, I won't put a value judgment on, like, how we got there, right, because there's all sorts of different reasons mm. for it. Um, but at least now that companies are aware um, they can you know they can track like for like positions and I think this is happening um, this, since the gender pay gap report requires a company to report what they're actually doing about their gap and then the next year reported what they've done based upon what they said they would do last year I think that will that will inherently create progress and I love that and in fact, when i talk to us companies i urge them to voluntarily adopt the uk based gender pay gap that's reporting brilliant. yeah yeah, that's yeah so. because in a lot of companies you'll see it you know they'll they'll have to do it for their uk subsidiary and they won't do it in the us and you just yeah. think you've got the system you know you can yeah, do this replicate it ahead. absolutely and and forward thinking companies are doing that i know a couple that are yeah. um so so on on the pay issue i am more i am i am optimistic yeah um I am also, you know, optimistic about um, gender and ethnicity recruiting on the junior end. Um, You know, I think that um, I know that there are, you know, lots of organizations now looking at, you know, everything from like promising um, sort of underrepresented communities from, um, you know, uh, uh, high school, what do you call high school? School age oh, mm-hmm. through, through uni, and um, you know, there's mentorship programs, work experience programs. We at Hermes participate in a couple, and it's really exciting to see the kind of pipeline of, 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 of female and kind of black and minority ethnic talent here in the UK. I think that that's looking good for, um, for the numbers and the availability of talent. Mm. Um, what I worry about is this leaky pipeline issue. Um, and that is something that I think a lot of work still needs to be done on on exactly what you said. It's the mentorship, it's the retention, it is the recognition that there are like cultural and societal reasons why you know if a woman or if a you know ethnic minority does not you know hasn't had anyone in their family that has had this position then they're more likely to need cultivating and monitoring. They you know, go home and have you know daddy's friend and. You know give them this or to show them this or to introduce them to this person at this golf club you know there's still yeah. a there's still a network um, and there's still a sort of an invisible network that exists that um, isn't intentionally exclusive I don't think. Um, or, or or maybe it is, but I'm not alleging that. But it certainly has the unintended consequences of omitting people who aren't in that kind of club. Mm. Um, and I think that you know when you look at the senior management level, you know I'm I'm less optimistic about our ability to get uh, get people through this because it literally requires um, really strong you know managers and leaders to really take that extra step to mentor mm. um, and develop. And as you said kind of bear hug talent um and sit there after work and spend the extra time going through showing them things and you know it's 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 and uh, it's cultivating mm. um and that's that's what i what i what i would like to see more of that's what yeah. it's going to take and that that i'm a bit more um you know time will tell mm. wow.
0: I, I love how the first thing you said was you're optimistic because i think i think sometimes you know we give ourselves a hard time like 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 just listening to you then. Like I'm excited about actually where where we are, the fact that we can be talking like this, that there will be loads of people listening and watching and and, and probably contacting you after this. I'll I'll make sure that um we've got all Kimberley's um details underneath so that you can contact her and, and continue the debate. But um for me it's just so important that uh we are talking as well as acting. Mm-hmm. And it seems that, you know, your your role is, is very much about the the real measurable differences. Absolutely. So so it's been absolutely fantastic to have you talk yeah. through all of that. Thank, thank you so you, much thank for Thank you for
1: having me. me. It's always good to see you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for joining us.